And now, from the Coastal Pinball Research Center, and Strikem Bowling Alley, and Greasy Jim's Oil Change, and Harry's Dale Taco Truck, and Big Ed's Sausage Factory, in beautiful Victoria, B.C., it's Vancouver Island Pinball. Well, hello and welcome to uh, episode 22 of the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Betterlick, along here with Daryl. And uh, we're pleased to be back. It's been a little bit, yeah, very busy month of August. Uh, we noticed that there was a lot of tournaments and stuff. We just uh, finished with a review of Yegpin. We know that in Ontario, they had at the CNE, they had, uh, I believe it was 10 tournaments over 10 days or thereabouts, which was just a massive, uh, uh, a massive event that was run by our friends Eddie uh, Walt and uh, Jeff Teolis. Uh, so congrats to them on that. As well, August also brought the largest ever event on Vancouver Island. That would have been the, the Mid-Island Double Play Tournament uh, in Cedar, which is just a suburb of Nanaimo. And that was held at Black, Black Diamond Antiques. In today's show, we're going to actually be interviewing the uh, gentleman that hosted that event, as well as some of the players that were there, uh, the winners, and uh, a couple of the other people that were playing as well. So we've got that. In between, we've got a tech tip with uh, Daryl, and then we're going to be wrapping up with our friend Dino from the Pinball Depot and Ship My Pin. So also here on the island, we've got the Bubblegum Frenzy number three coming up on Sunday, October 2nd. This is a women's tournament uh, being held here locally on the island, uh, being uh, directed by Carrie Hill. If you are on the island in and around October 2nd and you're looking for something really fun to do, I would highly suggest contacting uh, them and uh, signing up. Hello again, it's uh, Dan Bitterlick here with the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast. And uh, today we've got a bit of a roundtable. We've got the returning pinball Dave. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing good, buddy. How you been? I'm I'm awesome. Uh, Dave uh, was with me last weekend uh, at uh, the event that we're going to be talking about. Um, Daryl, on the other hand, couldn't make it. Oh, we can't really go into the reasons for that. But uh, but Daryl Daryl wasn't at the show. So, but we also have uh, the actual uh, creator and uh, host for the event. Uh, we're talking about the uh, Mid Island Double Play event at uh, Black Diamond Antiques. Uh, we have Tyler Bate online. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me out, Dan. Always, my friend. So, yeah, we uh, we had the largest event ever on the island. Uh, it was uh, two tournaments in a single day. We had, I think, about a dozen people or maybe a few more over from the mainland. Uh, and then we had uh, more than that from the mid-island. And, again, we had close to 20 from Victoria that uh, traveled up. Um, and we, we held two tournaments. Uh, we held a uh, match play, uh, a target match play to start. And then we went uh, with the four strikes to close out the event. First off, uh, Tyler, uh, congratulations on running uh, what I consider to be a really, really successful event. Uh, you know, you took on a lot with a lot of enthusiasm. And definitely in the back of my head was, is this going to work? <laughs> I was definitely a little naive to the process when I jumped into this. Uh, this was the biggest tournament I've ever played in, so organizing it was definitely a lot. But uh, I'm lucky I have the great support of the Mid-Island. Uh, really had a great group of sponsors, and uh, Sean down at Wiffle Games uh, helped me uh, kind of seal the deal, get everything working really well. That's true. You did have some amazing support that way. I mean, we should mention Sean at Wiffle. We should also mention uh, John uh, from yep. John's, you know, John's. Walker's yeah, John Walker. Shop. Yep, exactly. From his uh, Let, saw shop. Let's not forget Denim getting in there, giving yep. him a hand, moving all the pins with him, and yep. uh, helping move at least ten pinballs by himself, just out oh, of his heart. Yeah, and I want to give a, a thanks to Chance. He threw out some pinball machines for us to use. Uh, well, Chance really went above and beyond. Uh, he was going to participate in the event, but caught COVID a couple of days before, so he uh, had to bow out. But he still let us borrow all of his machines. He had an absolutely beautiful, scared stiff. His Simpsons is the nicest Simpsons I've ever played on. He has a Mandalorian Premium. And then there's also an X-Men Pro there. That was his. I like the X-Men the best, to be honest. And then we also had uh, we had some JJPs that came from uh, Nathan. Um, so so overall, like, I mean, the support, again, from, from the Mid-Island was amazing. Uh, there was, what, 27 pins, I think? 
Yes, that is correct. Uh, and we had about 22 or 23 of them in the shop. And then we had four or five of them outside of the shop. It was quite a unique experience for for myself. I've never played pinball outdoors. Um, it was uh, it was different, and it came with its challenges, as we found out. Uh, you know, you were you were working hard on leveling them, but it was a gravel parking lot, and you had uh, plywood down. But the vibrations at times would be a little more than uh, we anticipated. But but who knew until we tried it, right? Well, that's it, exactly it. And then at the start of the day, when the sun was out, you couldn't even read the uh, displays either. So there's definitely a few challenges. In the future, I probably would not have any pinballs outside. Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, again, if we don't try it, you know, we aren't going to learn. And uh, and uh, we we did try it. And I know the uh, the Vancouver guys have been really positive about it. And I know everybody down here oh, pretty great. much, uh, you know. Yeah. David, you had a good oh, time? Oh, I had a great time. Because both both dave and tyler actually haven't been to a show yet a no. pinball show no i never been and then for my first one well it was great i really enjoyed myself it was over before i knew it you know what i mean i had that much fun it was a long day for some of us it was <laughs> but it was a great day it was fun day lots to do real entertaining you know oh it was, it was definitely a long week for me uh oh yes you hiccups before uh the day before, when I was trying to work on the machines, lightning hit a power pole outside the store, and I lost power for five hours. Uh, first chance with COVID, just things that you don't foresee that just tend to happen when you plan a big event. Yeah, and I think that's important for people that are planning events to realize that you can try to cover everything. What you need to do is have support and just have some flexibility. And you had that because you had a few extra machines than what we actually needed. So, you know, as you needed to, you could bring machines in or out or, you know, that type of thing. Uh, the, I mean, that's important for somebody, especially when they're running their first event. Now, you have run a number of events at your location. You run month or, or biweekly uh, tournaments, right? Absolutely, yes. Uh, currently, right now, we're going to do uh, one tournament a month at my shop, and then we're going to run a one league night a month as well. And then we're going to be rotating with Sean down in Wiffle in Shamanus. Right, so pretty much every weekend there's something going on in the Mid-Island. Yes. Like Friday or Saturday, it depends which one it is. We want to get that plug in there so that people know if they're on the island and they're looking for uh, competitive, you know, competitive but also social fun pinball. Um, both uh, Sean in Shimanus with uh, Wiffle Games and Wizards Arcade and then uh, Tyler in uh, Cedar slash Nanaimo um, with Black Diamond Antiques. Uh, there, there's always something going on. There's a, there's a usually a number of the crew from Victoria coming up north. We we like to play, you know, a different selection of games than what we have here. So uh, so that's cool. Um, why don't you go over a few of the challenges that you had while you were uh, coming up with this idea? And and I know when you and I first discussed this, we talked about oh, can we get the thirty, you know, can we get thirty people out? Who knows? And and then you said, well, throw the number up to fifty. You know, we're not going to get there, but. Let's let's just let it be 50 and see what happens. Well, I definitely tend to be ambitious in my life. I jump headfirst into things. And uh, when I started this tournament, I uh, not only wanted to get the Victoria people out, I wanted to try to shorten the gap between the Mid-Island and the mainland players. Just the quickest way for the Mid-Island to get stronger uh, and get a better league is play with better players. And when us, it's such a treat for us going down to Vic and playing on your guys' great machines. So I was hoping to get the Vancouver people out. And then Rob and Chris, the tournament directors over in the mainland, really uh, did a great job of pushing my tournament. And they had a great showing for the mainland. Yeah, they did. And and amazingly, even when we were talking and we saw numbers starting to climb, we were still saying, oh, it's probably about two weeks out if we're going to sell this thing out. And it took about three days. <laughs> and and it jumped from like 20 to 50 and uh you know we we were we were sold out and you had a waiting list of about five or six um which was important um that's another thing for people that are running events is keep a waiting list because people's ch uh, plans change um you know even something is uh, not as simple but something like chance getting covid you know that knocks a player out that fully intended to, to, to show up right so so getting a waiting list is a good idea yeah, absolutely. And I ended up, uh, they had four people bail before the day before. So I was able to fill all those spots. And then we had another four just not show up the day of. So that's why we were down to 46. Yeah, which was still an amazing number. It, it's more than 50% uh, 
more attendance than anything that we've done on the island anywhere. Like we've had 32 at an event previously. So this was, you know, 50% more than that. Is that right? We've only, really? Yeah, this this is was significantly larger than anything we've ever done. Wow. So so it was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, we brought over some of the top-notch players from uh, the mainland. And we had others that were interested, like Eden had shown interest in it. Um, you know, and uh, so I, I think, uh, like you say, people are seeing better players. And they're also seeing, you know, learning. And they're, and they're measuring themselves. They can, they, they've seen that we can compete with those people as well, which is good. Absolutely, and uh, we definitely had a few competitors who did really well. Uh, like Jake, he's a new competitive player, he ended up getting third in the uh, four strike tournament. Mm-hmm. And like the points he earned in that tournament are more than he earned in his whole pinball career up to that date. So like it was pretty cool to see some players like that get rewarded. Yeah, I think from down here we had Kerry Hill tie for third in the first event match. Those were the two best sort of island results. Uh, we did have somebody win the double play. I mean, literally taking both of the events. Uh, Sean Lind uh, from Vancouver, uh, a, a really good player and a good guy. Um, he, uh, you'll you'll hear him later on this podcast because we've inter- we interviewed him live while we were while we were on site, and uh, he predicted after the first one that he was taking both, and uh, he he held true to it. So uh, congrats to him, and and quite the haul, over forty points for the two events combined which moved him into first place in BC, actually. Yeah, Sean had quite a good showing. And uh, what really impressed me about Sean was his knowledge of machines. Uh, like one of my oldest machines I've owned is a Sinbad, and it's a machine I pride myself on knowing what to do, where to shoot. And he's one of the few people I've talked to who actually knew more about the machines. He was talking about ball movement left to right, the spin, all things that you know beginner players don't even comprehend. So that's one of the reasons why he was able to dominate both the tournaments. For sure. And, and, you know, I mean, hats off to him, but uh, people gave him a run for his money in the, in the four strikes. He had two strikes after three rounds. So, you know, he could have easily been knocked out, but uh, you know, that's, uh, that's showing that uh, he stayed focused and, uh, you know, made his way all the way through. And I, I think he did take a third strike in the end. Yeah. Cause I think they, they finished all three of them. The last three, all of them had strikes. So, so well, yeah, yeah. He, and the final match was quite close as well, too. Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, it, it didn't come easy for him, but he worked for it. And uh, in the end, he, he got his reward. But I think I think everybody commented on it because you did so much. Like, outside of just a pinball tournament, you had oh, a yeah. freezer there with ice cream. You had pizza slices with a pizza warmer. You had um, T-shirts made up. You know, I mean, uh, you, you did a ton of stuff, buddy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to put my best foot forward being my first event, and I'd rather overplan than under. So uh, I just went out there and did what I could. Well, special thanks to your wife there for manning it, manning yeah. it there for us and giving us drinks and the pizza slices. And yeah, it was great. She did a really nice job, and so did my uh, brother's girlfriend, Jordan, as well. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, yeah absolutely. definitely a tip of a hat to both of them. Um, and it was just friendly. Like, I mean, I, I think everybody found the vibe to be pretty relaxed, being able to sit outside while you're waiting to play. You had all these portable tents up so that, you know, people could stay in the shade. It was a little bit warm. It wasn't crazy warm, thank God. Um, that would have been rough. But, uh, but no, it, it was just a really neat event. Um, I know people are already asking about the next one, which is cool. Along those lines, so can you share a little bit of what you're thinking about? Uh, well, we definitely have big things planned next year for the Mid-Island. What we will do 100%, there will be another double play again next year. It'll probably be a little more scaled down. I won't have as many machines there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to concentrate on a main three-day show. Uh, Sean from Wiffle Games has signed up for it, and we're going to go 50-50 on it, kind of plan everything out. Uh, get at least 50 pinballs. Who knows how the momentum goes? Maybe we can get more. Sure. That's uh, that. That sounds awesome. I know double play will be will be a highlight for some people, but yeah, three day show. That's that's something that the island could really use and and would be a ton of fun. Well, it's just being on the island. You know, we're a destination, a travel destination. So really, people, you don't have to pull people's arm too hard to come out to the island. So if they want to play pinball, they want to go see our beautiful scenery. They can do all that in one go. That's a good point. It's a good point. And I mean, you know, 
locally you've got a lot of good restaurants other things to do so yeah it's uh it is definitely a tourist destination for sure yeah and then uh, also on the three-day show three-day event we also hope to do a free play so we can get people in just playing the games for fun uh get families out yep. we'd also like to do a kids event uh we had griffin at our tournament he was our youngest competitor he did quite well uh, he's the first person to ever get the super jackpot on hot shot so that was cool to see yeah, I remember you mentioning that. That was actually very cool. Griffin's a really cool player. Yeah. So uh, uh, We might have to talk about a women's event too. Who knows? Uh, absolutely. I think that's yeah. a great idea, and that's something I'd love to do as well. And uh, who knows if there's interest, maybe do a money event. I don't want it to get too competitive with the money event. That's my one concern, but it is something that I think could bring uh, more interest out to the event. It is, it is that thing you've got to sort of balance. Um, money will bring some interest, but it, it, it brings a different feeling to the competition as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, looking at all avenues is an important thing. And, exactly. uh, and, and just balancing whatever your vision is going forward, right? That's very cool. Um, one of the more interesting things was that uh, you actually had a best in show category uh for for a tournament now that's not a normal thing that's sort of more of a show thing but it was cool that you did it because you had a bunch of quite unique machines um i know that the jjps were well received um in that i know that in the end that's not who won um do you care care to uh, let us know who actually won best in show uh, yeah, so Creature from the Black Lagoon that is available to play at Wiffle Games down in Shamanis. Uh, Sean ended up winning the best in show, and this is a machine that uh, I heard people say this is the nicest creature they've ever played on. And uh, it's funny for me to hear that because when Sean bought that creature, well, it was uh, quite oh, the mess. It was yeah, it was. Piece. It was. I, I was seriously worried when he picked it up as a project, um, but uh, what he did was beautiful. It uh it's a gorgeous machine. He now. does amazing work, though. Eh? He does. He does. And you know, he's definitely detail oriented. Oh, uh, I didn't vote. I didn't vote for creature. I have to admit, I'm, I'm the guy. Did that I, voted, to be honest, <laughs> I'm the guy that voted for cheetah. Like, oh, woo, cheetah. I love cheetah, man. And it's 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 such a rare game. And I knew I knew it wasn't going to get you know all the votes or enough votes to win. But I I enjoyed that more than anything else I was playing, just because it is such a rarity to find one to play. And you know, um, when you hear this, if you're in Cedar, Tyler's got one in the shop that's uh, available to play. Um, you know, that's it, it's not a common game. Yeah, I don't see Cheetah disappearing anytime soon. It's uh, one of my favorite classics by far. Yeah, it's 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 really fun. Uh, that's true, and I can tell you almost definitely at your next double play that you'll have a meteor in there too. So, well, that's we'll, great uh, news. I love the classic Stearns. Yeah, that's, I do too, and uh, I want to bring up something next year. So, so I'm pretty sure that's what'll be coming up with me. Oh, that's great news. Yeah, and a little bit more regarding the best in show, like. Uh, there's a few other really cool custom machines like uh, Chances Simpsons. If you ever seen that, it's all powder coated, uh, just beautiful. And then he also had his Elvira Scared Stiff. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a detail go into a machine that's went into that one. Just everything's mm -hmm. powder coated. Uh, it was nice. The shooter rod has a hand blown glass eyeball. So like that's just the level of uh, restoration that was put into this machine. Yeah, and I, again, I, we have to say thanks to Chance just yeah. for letting people get to play these games. They're Absolutely. not commonly seen. They exist in private collections, but in general, people in the public don't get to see this type of stuff. Yeah, you don't see those good-looking machines. Like th Those are just damn near collectors. Oh, no, they I, I would consider them collectors. Uh, Normally, you only see those in Pinball Dave's collection. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not allowed to play that. <laughs> <laughs> and you got that right, too, my friend. <laughs> well, Tyler, you know, it was such a great time. Thank you so much again for hosting, you know, uh, being such a gracious host while we were all there. Uh, I do want to say uh, we all are looking forward to next year's uh, double play event. And now we've heard that uh, we might be looking at a three-day event separate from that as well. I want to remind our listeners that uh, there's events Every week in the Mid-Island on the weekends, either Friday or Saturday, either at Black Diamond Antiques or in Shamanus with Sean at Wiffle Games and Wizards Arcade. Thanks again, Tyler. Thanks for having me out. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a pinball wizard.
It's uh, Dan Bitterlich here with the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast, and we're at uh, Black Diamond uh, Collectibles in uh, lovely Cedar, uh, BC. And we've just had our first tournament, which was the Black uh, Black Diamond uh, Double Play Match Play. And I'm here with the winner, Sean Lynn. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. And uh, yeah, it was a heck of a heck of a performance today. You actually almost ran the table. There was one point there where you, I think, the worst perf- thing you had was a second or a third place and everything else was I wins. Had one second all wins two games away from winning and then the wheels started to come off well it, it, it and that's what people don't <laughs> always realize like for a lot of people here this is sort of their first bigger tournament we had 50 people here that's the largest uh, tournament we've ever had on the island and and that's about 50 percent bigger than we've ever been before and people don't know that that second and third hour yeah it's yeah. the concentration starts to give a bit you start to yeah, it's just different, right? But uh, you've obviously had a fair amount of experience with it. I mean, you're ranked in the 300s worldwide. Um, yeah, currently I'm trying to get my ranking back, working okay. on it. Yeah, how how uh, high were you at the, at the point? Uh, the best I've gotten was 184. Oh, that's awesome, buddy, yeah. in the top 200. That's very cool. Yeah, working on grinding it back. And you and you, I know you had a, a great result out at Yankton. We had just actually yep. done a whole uh, show that uh, I'm going to be releasing later today on Yankton, where we talked with uh, some of the players there and also with Derek about running it. Oh, um, nice. You, I think you came in second to uh, Eric Stone. Is that no? Right? I no, wish. Wrong, wrong tournament. Okay, uh, sorry. I came in. Uh, I finished eighth. Uh, John from Edmonton came in second uh, next to Eric there. Okay. And yeah. then, but, uh, and uh, what were your other performances while you were there? How did you do oh, the other I, I qualified for the knockout and then immediately got knocked out. But <laughs> I was happy to qualify with okay. those players. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that, uh, that's a great result. And, and like I say today, being able to walk home with the trophy and, yeah. and the bragging rights. First mainlander to win an oh. island tournament, which, uh, you know, you're now not allowed to come back. No, Feels good to win. <laughs> it's I'm, great. We were hoping to come up and start a rivalry. So. Oh, and, and that Rob and I have been talking about that for, like, right before COVID started, uh, yeah. back in that November before COVID. We were, I was on the phone with him from, from a trip in Toronto I was making, and, and it's definitely going to happen. I, I think it's great. It's great seeing we've got about a dozen or 14 players here from the mainland. It, it's just neat to see the different groups. We've got South Island, we've got Mid Island, and we've got the mainland, and, and I think yeah. it's it's been fun. And it's been a great tournament so far. Great games, weather's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, is, isn't it cool to be outside for oh, at great. least part of it? It's it. bizarre. Well, I wanted to thank you and, and congratulate you again on your win, and uh, good luck tonight in the four oh, strikes. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. We have just completed uh, a crazy day of pinball here in uh, wonderful Cedar, BC. Um, at Black Diamond, the uh, Black Diamond double play, which included a match play and a four strikes. Uh, we've already interviewed Sean. You've already heard him, our winner of the match play. We also have the runner-up here, Dion. So how was the experience, Dion? It was excellent. I had a wonderful time, and it was great to see a lot of people from the mainland come over and do so well in this tournament. Yeah, you guys did. You definitely did uh, represent well. Uh, speaking of representing, we did have a third place finisher in the four strikes uh, uh, local, uh, Jake uh, Dick Davidson. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jake, how uh, how did you enjoy the experience, and how uh, tired are you now? That, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty tired, but uh, it, it was awesome. It's my best placement yet. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be huge. I think. Good, yeah, good and it, we, we had a good ten hours, eleven hours of pinball. That's. Uh, a lot of pinball and uh, definitely had some pizza in there. I, I got to thank Tyler and uh, the crew and, and the, his wife and everybody for the spread they put out. We had we had a freezer working. We had ice cream. We had pizza. It was just crazy. Uh, really neat. And uh, so the four strikes tournament came down to two players. Jake got knocked out in third. Uh, and it came down to Mano a Mano on Creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, Braden. Who I, I got to play a number with uh, with a number of times today. Great guy. Uh, you, you, you gave Sean you gave Sean a run. I heard it was a close game. From all reports, it was a really good game on Creature from Black Lagoon. Came down to yourself and Sean, and uh, I know it was a nail biter. I know you had him going, and Sean had to come through at the end there. But uh, how did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, it was great. I think this is like one of my better placements. Uh, I had a lot of like ball three type of games and I almost did it again against Sean who's like a really good player. Played against people that I've like only seen on, you know, Facebook because the province is so disparate where you see people on the island or you see people, you know, Victoria and Nanaimo. It was so nice to actually play against those names. Um, but I almost had it. 
but Sean just uh, took me out on that last one there. Well, that was sort of the prediction from Sean when I interviewed him <laughs> in the in the first bit after the first tournament. Sean was saying, "I'm coming for both," and uh, yeah. you know, congratulations, uh, buddy. Um, that was a hell of a performance because you had your third strike. Or at oh, least your oh, second I, strike fairly I, I early. Took two strikes in the first two games. Yeah, wow, so man. that that's a heck of a run, man. Yeah, yeah I don't know, my, the plan was to come up here and steal all the points from the <laughs> island and players, and despite that rivalry, and yep. here we go. You did it. Well, you know, you came in as the highest ranked player yeah. uh, at at the tournament uh, either way, and and you did perform well, but. Hopefully you, along with everybody else, enjoyed yourselves, it's and, and uh, we look forward to the next time that we can all be together, and, and you know whether it's here or if it's on the mainland, and uh, get together and play yeah. some pinball. Anyone listening to this, don't, don't sleep on don't miss the next event. It's spectacular. It was awesome. Great time. It was yeah, so well done. Good. We very all good. had so much fun. Thanks, awesome. guys. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for having us. One, two, one, two, three, four. Your machine is broke. You're losing your grip. Might be time for a stay. Hey, Daryl, what's uh, today's tech tip? Well, Dan, on today's tech tip, I'm talking about something that I seem to be dealing with a lot lately, uh, fuses. Oh, fuseli. I love fuseli. It's my wife's favorite pasta. Uh, uh, no, Dan, I'm talking about fuses uh, used in every pinball machine to protect electronics and, uh, and for safety. I was kind of hungry. I was looking forward to lunch. Well, in a while. Uh, but first, let's talk about what fuses do and, and different types of fuses. Uh, and what to look for if you may have a problem involving your fuse. Well, okay. basically, uh, down fuses in a pinball game, as you probably know, a lot of people know, they look like little small glass cylinders. Mm -hmm. um, and they're mounted on your circuit board, usually with two clips. Or they can be uh, other fuse styles are little round uh, holders that you can unscrew and, and pop open to look at the fuse. But most people will see them on their circuit boards. And the fuse basically uh, protects a circuit or part of a circuit from drawing too much current. Uh, just to give a, a little bit of electronics uh, for the, the theory on current, any circuit has a voltage applied to it, and it draws current. Uh, the classic analogy that people learn when they first learn uh, electricity or electronics is a water hose, where the voltage is the pressure of the hose, and the current is the volume of the water coming out, the amount of water that, that pours out. Uh, so in a pinball game, voltage is always constant, but current is kind of drawn by the uh, the nature of the circuits. Uh, for instance, flippers take a lot of power, so right. they draw a lot of current. Uh, pop bumpers the same way. Right? Uh, and a fuse is kind of constructed in an interesting way. It's basically a very thin piece of metal or a spiral piece of metal inside the glass circuit. And every fuse or is designed to operate at a certain current, uh, just like the circuits that have a basic, the circuitry has a basic operating current. Uh, when a fault happens, like a coil stays locked on, or an electronic component becomes defective, or something like even a bare wire uh, touches something else, uh, some bare metal in the machine, the current goes way up. And that little piece of metal inside the glass case heats up and basically burns, burns out. It, it separates. Uh, the circuit will shut down, and it saves further damage to the circuit and preventing nasties like, like fires, which can happen quite easily if you didn't have any protection in, in the fuse. So it's almost sort of like a circuit breaker, which sometimes we'll see in houses. It's but, exactly but it's like a, a circuit it's breaker. It's sort of a, a temporary one. Like yeah, it, it's sacrificial. Yeah, so it's gone. It's I mean, gone, and right. it's uh, definitely definitely gone. Uh, and a blown fuse, if you want to see what it looks like, is usually it shows up as a total failure in part of the circuit. It's pretty dramatic. You lose all your lights. Uh, you know, no coils will work or something like that. So it's not just one subtle problem that appears. It's it's a major component. Or sometimes the entire machine might, might just go down with nothing, no response or anything. And how do you know if a fuse is blown? Uh, basically, it will look black, blackened or burned if you look at it. Okay. Uh, generally, or you can sometimes look at the little metal strip and see it separated. It's actually burned away, or the little coils uh, gone away. Right. And most games have a list of fuses in them in the back box and what they do. So you can kind of get a general idea of what fuse you should be looking at. It'll say, you know, F4 is the uh, auxiliary solenoids or something like that. Right. So you'll kind of think, well, my solenoids aren't working. Let's look at F4. Okay. So you can isolate it a little bit that way. Um, and correlate the symptom with the actual fuse. But sometimes you have to actually take the fuse out or measure it to see if it is, is actually blown. The only way to really do that successfully is with a little a meter, measure the resistance of it, which should yeah, be oh, oh, negligible. Oh, this is one thing about electricity I actually do understand. Exactly. So it should almost be a short circuit. <laughs> right. Uh, 
and uh, you can look at a few sometimes and you can't tell mm-hmm. and that happens fairly frequently where you you know it looks good but but it, it has actually actually blown right and one big thing though of course when you pull a fuse or you measure a fuse or you test a fuse for goodness sake turn the power off right ne- never do that and it's something people um, generally are pretty good at but I've, I've actually dealt with a few fuses blown because people are poking around with light bulbs and lamps and oh, moving things and it's you know it, it just happens but mm-hmm. but especially with the fuse because you know it's likely gone for some reason and sometimes the fuses have quite a bit of uh, voltage uh, running through them so now i've never actually seen this but i've read and heard circumstances so the old timer uh, operator fixing it with cigarette foil, um, you know, in replace replacing a fuse with cigarette foil probably isn't a really good technique. Well, it's a fantastic technique actually if you want to start a fire in your game or or burn those your circuits. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll touch on that a bit later. But yeah, no, that's a, a terrible thing to do. The fuses are there for a very specific reason, right. and it's uh, yeah, that is a I have seen that too. See, I haven't seen it. I know I've heard it, yeah. not actually from you, but from other people that yeah. they've opened yeah. them up and sort of well on route. If they ran out of a given fuse or whatever, they just jam. I've, I've heard like nails. I've heard all kinds oh, of things. Yeah, used. nails, little pieces of wire, you know, <laughs> just little, crazy. Little coat hangers. Yeah, anything to, to get it going again, which if it was just a, you know, a random bloat or something like that, or they just didn't happen to have one after the repair maybe could but down the road it's, it's gonna it's gonna come in uh, and kick you right? well like you say fire i mean that's 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 the that's, big one that's a big one yeah yeah and uh, fuses uh they generally come in two types uh known as fast blow fuses mm-hmm. and sometimes called agc fuses okay uh so when you see that or slow blow fuses um, mdl fuses is what they're generally known as and they're both rated for a specific current you can have a slow blow and a fast blow say it five amps or, or right. 10 amps but how they react is quite different in, in the game and it's very important that you put the right fuse in the right place a slow blow is basically designed to uh, have kind of a high transient current like a fast current through it mm-hmm. uh, so it, even though it's rated at say 10 amps it will probably handle 20 amps uh, momentarily right very suddenly so again things like coils um, pop bumpers things that aren't really on very long they're on momentarily Will not blow the fuse, and that's that's by design. You can't have a you wouldn't be running you know a twenty amps all the time continuously, but you might get these peak currents suddenly and for a short time. So they have uh, very uh, like I say they're very forgiving for the for currents, but they will blow if you have a long term high current uh, failure op thing. Uh, fast blow just the opposite. It once it reaches near the current or actually just past the current, it it goes, and that's a. Uh, that they're using in different areas of the game, actually. And it's important that when you replace your fuse, uh, that you find the exact one, that mm-hmm. an MDL or an AGC. Right. And again, the reason for that is uh, if you say you swap them, for example, and you put the uh, the slow blow where the fast blow should have been, you can you could cause quite severe damage because the transient current um, will be something like um, that doesn't, have a transient normally right? right so you're you're sending big spikes into what are sensitive electronics i'm just guessing here but I'm, I'm guessing that fast blow probably protect more things like actual electronics that's and, exactly and it, circuit yeah. boards things like that yeah a good example of that is a, is a display like a high voltage sure. and the display is a very low current very fast fuse uh because it is all electronics the slow blows are always used in the uh in the coils but vice versa also if you put your your fast blow where your slow blow was uh, you can have all sorts of random problems. Oh, yeah. And, and this is not unknown. I've seen this in games before where the fuse keeps blowing um, kind of erratically. Right. But the fast blow is just doing what it's supposed to do, uh, not handling any of, the, any of the transient current. So that that I've seen that happen. So okay. it's kind of a little bit, you know, a bit of a head scratcher to start really looking at, at what's supposed to be in there. Um, so when you replace the fuse, you, again, match the current exactly mm-hmm. and also match the type of fuse. Uh the information, again, is in either in the back box and definitely in your owner's manual. Sometimes you have to dig through it, but all the manuals basically are, are online somewhere uh, just so you, uh, you know, you're getting exact uh, value in the game. And never, as we mentioned before, never use tinfoil or wire to bypass the fuse. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a trick uh, and it's not a good trick. It's not a good right? trick. No. Of course, the bad news is when the fuse did blow, um, something is wrong. There's usually a reason for the fuse. Mm-hmm. One, on occasion, a fuse will blow randomly without reason. It might just be a weak component or they had the wrong value or style in there. 
for some reason. Um, and I'll give this advice with a bit of caution. Uh, something, something I would do. If the machine stopped working suddenly and you had no signs of coils holding or gripping and you haven't been under the hood fiddling lately, it just stops and the fuse blows, it is worth finding the blown fuse and putting one of equal value in and just try it again, just once. If it blows right. again, well, then you know there is something definitely wrong. Sure. Uh, don't keep popping them in and replacing them because no. you're causing more damage each time. The one time with caution is, is I find, and it's safe. But if you saw something dramatic before the fuse went, like a locked up coil or something mm -hmm. flashed, you know that something's actually taken it out. It's not just a random uh, uh, job. So if, if your fuse pops, your second one pops, uh, you know, start trying to troubleshoot it or get a tech to start looking through it. Uh, where do you get fuses? Well, usually uh, the usual pinball suppliers, they all, they all have them for, mm -hmm. for all the games. Uh, automotive stores sell the style of fuse, uh, mostly, and electronics parts stores or electronics retailers online have the fuse. What I like have done before, if you have one or two games, it's worth buying the selection of fuses for that game. And places like, uh, again, the pinball suppliers, Marcos, will sell a fuse kit, yeah. which is kind of nice to have. You may never use them, um, but if your tech comes and doesn't have the fuse and some of the fuses that they're included in the kit are a little hard to come by mm -hmm. they're slight some are slightly smaller size some are very very low current fuses so it's good to have that it's a you know a cheap investment to i was going to say in today's world fuses are pretty cheap all things considered yeah like i've got uh, a set that i've built over the years so i've got a couple of each that's pretty much uh, yeah. in any of my yeah games, I, I mean but... it's not any it's not a huge expense no but you're right just burning them out well first of all you're not as soon as the second one's gone, you know there's an issue. Yep. And all you're going to do is burn out the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one. Um, you know, hopefully not damaging the game further. But even if you did, you're not going to get to play for any period of time. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a good sign that something is wrong. Uh, yeah. If you're lucky, maybe nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. But just a little, a few uh, tips on, on fuses and what they do. And Always appreciate it, Daryl. Well, today we're talking to a friend I've known for a few years now. Dino Gaspari, and I hope I said that right. And I've known, like I say, Dino for a few years now. We've I've bought pinballs from him. I've uh, fixed pinballs for him. And uh, Dino's into so many facets of pinball, it's kind of hard to keep track of him. He's uh, had his company Pinball Depot for uh, buying and selling pins, doing some really high-end retheming, which we'll, we'll get into, and uh, including a Ship My Pinball, uh, which is a very cool uh company that solves a huge problem for many pinballers but and, and who knows what else anyway dino how are you doing i'm doing great thanks for having me guys no it's great to talk to you uh well, first of all we usually start with kind of a background thing now how did you get into uh pinball does this go back to your, your misspent youth or yeah exactly unknowingly uh, unbeknownst to myself when i was uh, 16 years old i was playing aladdin's castle in center grade 37 at the local sports bar where Italian guys were drinking whiskey out of a tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> so we only had 45 minutes for lunch. So I went with my cousin who was also a pinball nut like me and we split flippers. All right. And we had 45 minutes to play as much pinball as we wanted to. We would all, we were so good. We would always end up with like 10 or 12 games on the game and, we then sold that those games for half price to the lunch hour after us. So I, I guess officially that was our first business. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And this is all uh, Montreal, right? That's the sort of where Montreal. I place you. Yeah. yeah. Born and uh, raised. Yeah. yeah. Born and raised. That's great. Um, yeah. So that was that was the start of everything. And then I guess you evolved into. I, I mean, how Pinball Depot has been going since was it ninety seven? Is that right? Or yeah. About 97, I just said to myself, well, you know, this, this passion isn't going away. It's true love. So I got to find a way to subsidize the cost of, of buying machines because they keep going up. So why don't I just, you know, get on eBay and try to sell a few machines and see if I can, you know, uh, uh, make enough money to buy the next machine that I wanted to buy. And uh, yeah, so that's how we got started. Now, in 97, I would say that was a, a lull in pinball uh, compared to what was now, I mean, for you know, Dan's looking at me a bit questioning, well, but yeah. it, it wasn't the uh, the craziness that's going on right now. I mean, that's 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 almost pre-internet um, at the time. Uh, I mean, compared to prices, the way things have gone crazy. So that was an interesting time to get into that. Was that a, was that turned into a full-time gig? 
So uh, at the time, uh, I, yeah, you're right. It was we're heading into the curve of, you know, 2000, 2001, where, you know, Xbox just came out and just about closed every arcade that was there. It was the doom of, of pinball. And there were only us underground nerds still collecting and buying and selling. And, and you know, so it, it didn't look very promising. But I did launch the business anyway. I, I had an old warehouse. A friend of mine gave me a room where I could buy and dump machines and have a Laniel out here who had been a, a, a seller like Player One for 50 years. Okay. Um, basically had their technicians repairing and fixing machines and still selling on, on eBay. So it did, it did become full-time in the year 2000, but obviously that wasn't the right time to, to launch that type of a business. Well, no, for sure not, because you know, as you said, in 97, we're still getting the last of the Bolly Williams sort of uh, you know titles that people look for nowadays. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's just on the curve just before Pinball 2000 and, um, and the Day of Reckoning. So I was I was excited about the advent of Internet, 97, 98. I was the first one of the first 50,000 PayPal customers. And, you know, people oh. are scratching their heads saying, what do you mean you want me to email you some money? And so, you know, I was very in, in, enthralled about what was happening on the Internet and saw, had the vision that this was kind of leading, would be the avenue for us to be able to, to, to get to bigger and better things and better pinball deals. Yeah, that's very prescient. At that time, a lot of people, it was a novelty. It, it oh, really, no, for sure. It, it really was. So seeing that, I had kind of wish uh, we'd all invested in the, uh, in the PayPal, but it <laughs> uh, didn't happen. So that's good. You've also had access to the U.S. market quite a bit. You've kind of made that a little more fluid. It sounds like you've got uh, you know good connections down in the states, and of course, being in close to the Midwest and and the East Coast, lots of pinballs out there. Yeah, so Montreal is the largest shipping port in the world. I've shipped a few pinballs overseas, but I started to become the go-to guy for cross-border shipping. Remember that I'm only a 40-minute drive from the New York State border. So, um, you know, either we would bring machines over or we would ship them. And then I befriended uh, uh, some of the local brokers here, people that live right around the corner from me who have big brokerage houses who are clearing shipments and got a got a bond with U.S. Customs and, and made it really made, made it really seamless to, to ship machines, um, you know, over over the border, whereas people would scratch their heads and that's too complicated. And that that kind of was the seed for for ship my pinball. I'd been doing it for 20 years and people would just call me all the time and say, how can I do this? So I said, hey, that was the baby that was, you know, uh, the mother of invention is necessity. And the necessity was how can I help the pinball community by giving them a tool that can benefit from the, the discounts that I'm currently getting from the largest carriers in North America. So that's why I created the pinball, uh, shipmypinball.com. Yeah, that was very interesting when I saw that too. A very, uh, very good idea. That is a big barrier to a lot of people. They see these great deals, or well, they saw those great deals in the States. And it is, it's, you know, how do you bring it up? How do I clear customs? How do I get them here? Well, one yeah, of the things yeah. that I, uh, just to add here, I mean, I noticed, and I guess this was the first time I became aware of shipmypinball.com um, when you were at the Texas Pinball Festival this uh, past year. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, yes we okay. were exclusive shippers. And so the big added value service to the people there was that that if they walked into the festival and and had no intention on buying a machine, we would give them the tool they needed to be able to say, hey, I like that machine. I'd like to buy it. Is there a way that I can get it to my home? And that it's, is a huge plus because I think of I, I haven't been to the Texas Pinball Festival, but I was at uh, or I've been to Expo probably more than a dozen times. And the number of times people drove, you know, little tiny cars down or whatever or flew in and, you know, they see something on the floor and it's something they've been chasing. And now they're stuck, right? They're they're from Ontario or they're from Manitoba. And how do I get this back to me, you know, right. easily? And right. and I, I think that's an amazing service. And, and and the fact that you were sort of displaying it and, and I didn't realize that you were the exclusive, but that makes sense. You know, at, at Texas, it's like. Here is an all-in-one package. Bam, it goes, and and that's that's fantastic, and that, that's showing a lot of forethought. I like that. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it, the only uh, you know issue was that people didn't know even how to break down a machine or pallet it themselves. They just they just got awakened to the pinball industry, and they all of a sudden they, you know, on the spur of the moment, they decide I want to buy a pinball. So we give them the A to Z service, including you know whether you have to cross border ship, whether you have to pallet, or whether you have to you know get it to your home. Uh, if you have a dock, all these questions are filled by us and we remedy whatever issues that need to be remedied in order to get that machine to your home. Well, Dino gave me the secret of the tiny pallet. That's something that I, I picked up from him where so, you could squeeze a, a machine onto the smallest pallet and oh, really? save, yeah, save, save, some, uh, save some dollars, that's okay. for sure. And that, that's worked great, uh, Dino. So when you go to these shows, Dino, you must you wear several hats and several shirts maybe because you've got the depot, you've got the um, Ship My Pinball, but also the retheming is something that's really taken off. And I've been so impressed by seeing uh, some of that. How did that start? Yeah, so um, a friend of mine who has been uh, doing a lot of helmets – hockey helmets and goalie goalie masks um, and also um, does some uh, airbrushing for uh, Olympic uh, skiers in the past Olympics. And as a matter of fact, the three helmets he, he airbrushed each won gold medals this year. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he's, I call he's got the hand of God, you know, everything yeah. he touches turns to gold, not only gold medals, but um, he's just a genius and we have an exclusive contract uh, with Mike. Uh, who's been airbrushing for about 22 years now. And uh, he's uh, an artist at heart, which means he doesn't want to deal with anybody and or, or business side of the, of, of, the, of the business. So he's entrusted. We've built a real good relationship, and he's entrusted uh, any pinball re-themes uh, to me for North America. And, I, and anybody who wants to re-theme a machine, we've done uh, Michael Irvin of the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. uh, it was his birthday, and we rethemed an old Chicago into a Michael Irvin uh, retheme. Uh, we've done some other high profile, like uh, Celine Dion's manager asked us to do one for them. And uh, we're working on Garth Brooks right now. But um, the, the bottom line is that we take an old machine that's not usable anymore. We don't take good machines and destroy them. We find a play field that's totally unsalvageable. Uh, we sand it down to the wood, and then we... All is all airbrushed by freehand, so it's oh, a one wow. of a kind work of art. So we've done a Jack Daniels for some people out in Tennessee, and it's a one of a kind work of art. So you can say it's almost like a painting on the playfield that's airbrushed, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely gorgeous. And then it's clear coated ten times with auto body clear coat, so it never wears out. And then the body is wrapped with whatever designs or logos that you want. And then uh, you know. Typically, we'll put in new boards and make sure that the whole the guts of the machine is mechanically sound and looks brand new. You may have seen the jaws that we just uh, brought to Allentown, as yeah. well as Pentastic recently. That has a $1,500 sound system in it that plays the the, the themed songs from Jaws, as well as uh, there's a, an SD card in there. You can put whatever sounds you want as well. You can alternate the sounds. So. Um, yeah, so it's been a it's been a great relationship with Mike over the last I'd say at least five years, maybe more, and uh, we're doing well. Uh, the challenge is, you know, we can only do 10, 10 or twelve a year, so right now we're pretty filled up for the year. But um, yeah, so that's does that answer your question on how we? Uh, oh yeah, well, it does. So I guess basically it's on request by people, and uh, I guess you or they supply the machine. I'm not sure if you 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 find one for them. Yeah, uh, it's both. Yeah. It's well, a very impressive reuse of a game. Well, one of the things that I found, too, is, again, I became more aware of this in the last year or so, is your name pops up a lot when people are talking rethings. Like, you really have built quite the reputation um, over the years now because people are like, that's the go-to. That's go-to. Now, having said that, like you say, you're not you're not a large corporation. You've got you know a finite amount of product that you can get through in a year. So... That's sort of almost like uh, uh, Hutchison or Hutch, I think, uh, with high-end pins. You know, it's, you're sort of getting into that area where you've got you've got a really good rep, but the problem is, is there's only so much you can do in a given year. But uh, that's a good problem to have, you know, to, yeah. to be that respected. Yeah, I think you know, I think it's not everybody that wants a retheme or has an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I think you know it's it's important to serve every aspect of the pinball industry if you can do it, and I think that's what we're doing, 
or at least that's what I'm attempting to do. But I think the most important thing is that uh, I have a passion for it and I'm going, I'm flowing with like the river and what's happening. And, and I, I, I don't have a, I didn't have a business plan for all of this, you know? And so I've learned uh, later in my years to, uh, to uh, spread the love, as you said at the beginning of the conversation, the pinball love. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the more I, I, I try to help people, the more I get back. And uh, that's what I like about what I do. It, it stimulates my passion. It never feels like work. Because, you know, you got to believe at our age, flying down to Chicago, setting up a booth, standing on your feet 12 to 14 hours a day and, and doing a show. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging, but it doesn't feel like work, you know. I, I, you know, I still consult for another company. Um, you know, I'm a sales director for a software company, and I still do consulting for them. So my plate is pretty full. But um, the passion for what I'm doing here and serving the pinball community is just growing and I don't see any end to it. And I, it's just a pleasure to speak to you guys today and and just uh, continue spreading the love, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's the same with me. My my side comes more on social, like organizing leagues and tournaments. And But, you know, when people are saying, well, it takes up a lot of your time, I'm going, yeah, but it's fun. You know, it, it's, it, it, it's totally not a business, you know, because I'm, I'm doing it uh, – you know, uh, on on uh, on my own time. But regardless, I fully understand where you're coming from. The passion that you can get there, and then the uh, you know the good vibes you get back from people make it all worthwhile. And uh, yeah. it, it's much easier to do that stuff than it is to go and punch the clock at work and and everything else. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, but yeah, this stuff I, I can understand. It gets in your blood for sure. Yeah. One thing do you know that that I noticed, and I was going to touch on. Uh, is that uh, you're kind of a fan of EMs quite a bit, and you've dealt in a lot of EMs, and we found that maybe out here they aren't as popular. Just wondering, do you have a, maybe a, an idea of why it seems in the East that they're super popular and maybe not so much out here? I'm not sure if it's availability. I know Dan's a big fan of certain ones, mm -hmm. but as a general rule, yeah, they're not the uh, the big sellers, but I've seen the ones you have. And, and yeah, so do you, do you find more clients out uh, there? Yeah, so I think the big challenge uh, right now is that people don't know how to fix them, so they stay away from them. So it has to do with the availability of technicians. So I'm fortunately blessed with two technicians who have been fixing EMs for 50 years. So my guys, just when they walk into a room, they just need to listen to the sound of the machine. They know exactly where to go to fix it. So I've been blessed with that. So that's why my love for EMs grew even more because I didn't have to worry about how the heck I was going to fix an old EM when I got it into my shop. So that's one of the reasons I think the younger generation is shying away from electromechanical games. Uh, and then when you have one person shying away, then it becomes a fad, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I can also see, I can also see if one person starts to get excited about EMs, I can also see the reverse happening where it's going to be really, really cool. I just purchased the Gottlieb Blue Note. And mm -hmm. I was told by a, an aficionado of EMs that that machine is worth between six and seven grand US. And wow. that is something that not a lot of people uh, put um, uh, value in that opinion. And mm -hmm. yet I can understand why. It's only 229 made. The machine is impeccable. It's all mm -hmm. original. It has less than uh, less than uh, it has only like twenty nine thousand plays on it. It sat in somebody's home for twenty five years, and uh, you're never going to see another machine that level. But those are the type of EMs I like. The Centigrade thirty sevens are also holding a lot of value, and a couple of other other ones. But uh, there's something to be said about playing an EM. As a matter of fact, when I spoke to Roger Sharp when he came to Montreal here when we were deregulating, uh, because there's a law in Montreal that disallowed people from playing pinballs in bars. Mayor mm -hmm. Drapo, the original Drapo in the 60s, uh, put a law that said it was illegal to play pinball in bars. So that law was still in effect in 2015. And when uh, when we lobbied to deregulate that and, and have that uh, law squashed, um, Roger Sharp came to town and I had a chat with him. And he told me that one of his favorite EMs is Old Chicago and that he loves to warm up with old Chicago. If you have anybody that likes, who have only played new machines, if they can play old Chicago, they can play any machine because that machine is a really test of skill, you know? So another piece of interesting 
history here. Yeah, yeah we, we've had a history with Old Chicago going back and forth a couple times, maybe two Old Chicago's. Am I right? Or at least, at least one. That's right. You did the stencils on my Old Chicago. That's yeah, my favorite yeah. game for me and yeah. my son. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a that's a really neat game. Oh, it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love the artwork. Yeah, well, maybe EM will come back. That would be kind of a neat, neat to see. And well, I mean, we yeah. can use the example of, of Stern Electronics, right? Like um, five to let's say seven or eight years ago, Stern Electronics solid state machines were, except for a couple odd ones that were really slow or low manufacture numbers, they really weren't, you know, taking that much money uh, or, or costing that much in in the marketplace. But then, and this came from the tournament players, they found a few of them that they really liked. You know, the ones that were sort of oddballs, but weren't in really low production numbers. And some of those went through the roof. Quicksilver, you know, I mean, being one of the examples that goes for six, 7,000 US, you know, for something, 5,000, five, five to 6,000 Canadian, if it's got a roached play field, but, you know, up from that. And uh, we had a weird in- a circumstance here where, I guess two years ago, within a month, there were two barn finds of them, you know, two of them, uh, uh, you know, being pulled out of a, one out of a basement and one out of a barn. And it's like, how does that even happen? You know, they only made six or 700 of them and that we get two on the island. That, but but it's just that type of thing. And then all of a sudden people jumped on it. And now those have all gone into that price zone. And, uh, you know, so so it, it can happen for sure. I, I think it's totally possible. I had so, a machine. I had a machine. I have to tell you, I had a machine. I forget the name of the machine, and I don't know why I'm forgetting at this particular moment. But I had a machine I, I couldn't sell for a year, and I sold the same machine three times in the same week. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pinball, right? Yeah, there seems is. to be some kind of funky connections. Uh, every, you know how how you always find that machine. It always pops up. Yep. At, at a most inopportune time or vice versa. There seems to be some kind of synchronicity with machines popping up. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man actually has done that. I hadn't played one of those since they came out. Like I played them live in the arcade when they were new in a box. And then I ran into like three of them in a week. There you know, you go. It's like, like, you know, but it is like that and they do. And there is definitely, especially I think, you know, there's a mentality in, in pinball, that there is a lot of people that look for opinion and then follow opinion rather than play what you like. You know, like I've I've never worried particularly what the 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 general opinion of a machine is. I go and I play it. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Um, you yeah, know. I think one thing people don't realize about EMs and you know maybe not in general is that there is a certain skill level. And like modern games, you do have to do things in the right order, and mm-hmm. the sequence matters. And there's ways to get high points and ways not to get high points. I think Dan taught me that actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, when games, we were yeah. playing Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. The other the other uh, week, uh, there's a gentleman here that uh, restored a Fantastic, uh, which is a pretty bizarre machine. It was fun. Like again, the fact that they had all these weird designs, it uh, it was a neat time in pinball. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Dino, where do you where do you find these games? Are you um, scouring the internet? Or I mean, not not to give away your trade secrets, but you, you probably have a big um, a group of people that you're in contact with. And yeah, so I think Facebook really helped us propel pinball to what it is. From 2015, it just exponentially grew because of Facebook. People mm-hmm. advertise whatever it was that they were able to sell. So I have I have I think about five people across the country, both in Canada and the US, that uh, buy machines all the time or get machines all the time. I call on them, some on the West Coast, some in the Midwest, one in Florida and one on the East Coast, uh, two in New York uh, State. And so that gives me a lot of variety to choose from. And because I get great rates on shipping, um, I'm not afraid to buy one or two machines from California and have it shipped here, you know? I also have an association with Herb Silvers, who does uh, impeccable uh, uh, restorations for gun games. I've serviced a client with some gum games that came from California as well. So it's it's really all about you know uh, communication and uh, 
Facebook is the tool that helps us to communicate with the world. And if the people like the way you do business, then they're able to move more of their inventory. And um, once the relationship is in place, especially after going to all these shows, we meet all these great people. Uh, then once you have the relationship in place, I could literally pretty much call on any one of those people to pull a machine that, that one of my local clients is calling for me upon. Well, that, that's great. You know, I guess I guess the question now is, uh, what's next? Anything in the in the hopper? Uh, you've got several things going right now, but uh, any uh, any plans? Any so, uh, so yeah. So the big thing is with ship my pinball. The thing is, the the reason it was created was because the most important thing for you to know when you're buying a machine online is how much is it going to How much is it going to cost me to get it shipped to me? Right. So with Ship My Pinball, it's a real time API and you're getting a real time quote. So if you know your customers in California and you're in Kansas City, before you buy, you say, yes, I'm going to buy that machine. You want to know how much it's going to cost you. You can get the real time quote. The only big challenge you have right now with Ship My Pinball is that it has to be on a pallet. Right. And most I would say 50 percent of the people don't want to break down a machine and strap it to a pallet or they don't know how or they're intimidated. It's really not that complicated. If we walk you through it, you can do it. We just I just did that for a local client who bought a Jurassic Park from a woman and she wouldn't deal with him. She only dealt with me because she saw my seminars I did at Pinball Expo and Pintastic. So I became the consultant for this guy locally who wanted to buy Jurassic Park. So what's the obstacle? The obstacle is people don't know how to break down machines and strap them to a pallet. So what's coming up to answer your question? I'm working on a deal with U-Haul uh, to, to uh, pallet machines for me, right? So whenever you rent a U-Haul, you are able to um, pick and choose if you want a helper, somebody to help you, right? You're renting a vehicle, whatever kind of vehicle you need to rent to move your machine. How would it, be, how would it look if it's, it, uh, there's a pop-up that says, would you like to have some help to move your pinball machine or pallet your machine? Yes? Okay. Well, click this box. It costs you $300 for somebody to come, pallet your machine, and put it on your driveway so that when the shipping company comes to pick it up, it's on a pallet and properly palleted. So U-Haul has movers all over. When you rent a truck, they give you a choice of four different movers to choose from. ABC Moving Company, Perfecto Moving Company, All Stars 5 Wireless uh, Moving Company, whatever they're called, you always have a choice to have it as an add-on to your, your truck rental. So what I'd like to do is, with Ship My Pinball, I'm going to add that add-on and with an API integration with U-Haul so that somebody, now will that gap will be filled. There'll be a complete package, a full service package where you can say, hey, I go to Ship My Pinball, I know exactly how much it's going to cost me. If I wanted somebody to come over and pallet a machine for me, I can just click this button. They'll do it for 300 bucks, and I can add it to my cart and check out and pay. And then a, the shipping label will be emailed to you automatically. You just have to put that label on the freight. The guy will show up at the time that you request, and then it'll pallet your machine and schedule the pickup. Oh, well, that's, that's great. You know, that's, yeah, it's really interesting because you're right. I think that is a, a big stumbling block for a lot of people is the palleting. It's it's happened to me sure. a few times and I've I've palleted a few and it's uh it's not pleasant even to know what you're doing, right? And it's not the you know, you're always kinda of wondering you're doing it correctly, you're gonna damage the game and um but yeah, no, that, that that's awesome. Yeah, the, the one one step uh solution. I should add I should add there is a the service that's been being used for over the last I'm saying for sure 10 years. Beltman is a great service. They have great people. The only challenge I have with that is that they they never tell you exactly when they're going to come and it's it's always when the truck is in the area and you're you, they're moving your pinball like they're moving furniture and it's unprotected. So if I'm shipping a, an Adams Family Gold, I, I don't want to move it like furniture with guys who are used to moving furniture, right? No. That's because that's how it's sh shipped. It's put in a truck. It doesn't have. It has maybe one or two blankets on it, which doesn't really protect the pinball. So the best way to protect your pinball is to strap it to a pallet and put quarter-inch thick cardboard and make sure you put a do not stack sticker on the freight so that they don't stack on it. And it's marked clearly on the on the ship. I mean, there's other shipping tips as well, you know, that I may want to throw in here today, which is if you guys want to save money on, and everybody's complaining about fuel surcharges, don't get a rate quote. 
get a dimensional freight quote because with dimensional freight quotes, your fuel surcharge is already pre-calculated in there. That's why I always tell you, Daryl, what's the exact size of that pallet? I'm using dimensional freight quote. I'm not using, I'm not using an actual rate quote. So there's a different way of quoting pricing for shipping. So I think that's important for the community to know. They can say, listen, I, sh- I just, uh, not that long ago, I shipped the Matahari to Puerto Rico from Montreal for $223 US. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so wow. I, that's what I'm saying. Why is yeah. that? Well, because I have a relationship with the two of the largest carriers in North America, YRC Freight, which is now Yellow Corporation. They just pretty much bought out all of whatever little other companies there were. And, and uh, T-Force Freight, which just bought out UPS Freight. So these are my two main carriers. I'm dealing with the best, car- the two best carriers in all of North America. And, mm-hmm. and I've had a relationship with them for over 20 years, 25 years now, actually. So, you know, relationships is what make business happen. I have a good relationship with both account managers from both, both companies. If, if you're afraid of sitting on a dock for more than two days, you can bet your bottom dollars I'm going to call the the account manager and say, hey, you want to call that terminal manager? Our, 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 my client's uh, pinball has been sitting on that dock. The longer it sits there, the more chance there is of, of it getting damaged. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are types of services that we add on services and value services that we, we give you when you use shipmypinball.com. You know? you know, it's funny when you look at the uh, at the site and how simple it is for the end user. Then you think of all the background that's gone into this and the thought. And uh, in fact, you're in in software anyway. It really helps you get into these systems. It's great. And I feel better about the uh, hour and a half it took me to chop up a pallet to the size that you wanted, <laughs> <laughs> which, which which were were really good. Uh, well, do you know it's it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, anything else you'd like to uh, add? No, I just uh, pinballdepot.ca uh, for the rethemes. If anybody out there wants to reach us to have a retheme done, and uh, shipmypinball.com for real-time quotes. Don't hesitate to reach out to us, shipmypinball uh, uh, at gmail.com, and um, as well as uh, any other uh, pinball machines that you're looking for. We'll be happy to to help you and spread the the love. We'll be at Pinball Expo this year uh, again. Uh, uh, showing off, I believe, if it's not sold by the time October comes around, um, uh, the Jaws pinball machine and uh, the Pinball Expo retheme that we did for their 35th anniversary as well. So, or just email Dino at pinballdepot.ca. I'll be happy to chat with you guys and get what you need. That sounds great, Dino. And I do urge people to go and check out those rethemes because they are uh, oh, they are excellent. really works yeah. of art. And, uh, well, good luck in your future, Dino, and I'm going to stay in touch with you, and hopefully we'll talk to you again. Yeah, hope to see you at Expo. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. If anything you need, just uh, give me a shout, and I'll be happy to serve. Uh, Great. Thanks, Dino. All right. Bye-bye for now. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode. Uh, As always, we want to thank our house band, Ian and the Laundromat with Washed Up. And we've got a special announcement as well. Yeah, I'd just like to uh, give a shout out to Mike Bear, the voice of the uh, the podcast, who recently retired from his full-time gig and is actually uh, going to start his own company, or actually continue with his own company full-time, uh, doing professional voiceovers. And uh, we expect Mike will still be back to do uh, some stuff for us, and maybe not for the discount price we've been getting. But uh, yeah, again, he's a he's a, a great guy and a very talented individual, and uh, we wish Mike uh, the best in his future. Yeah, definitely. Congrats, Mike. Tech suggestions and feedback: EI Pinball Podcast at Gmail dot com. See you tomorrow, Daryl and Dan.